welcome. This is a message from Victory Church. We trust you'll be inspired and encouraged by today's message. Tonight, I'm going to be speaking about a topic that uh, I loved. I saw this title once, I thought, that's a great, top, that's a great title for a message. So I just ripped it off, and, uh, which all good preachers do, don't we? Don't we, Josh? We do that. We rip it off sometimes. It's, it's, it's okay. They're not listening. It's all right. We, we do that sometimes, don't we? Yeah, we do. We do. Yes. Um, but, you know, I call this forgiveness the real F word. I love that title because we hear the F word quite a lot nowadays, don't we? We do. We do. We do. Those guys in the back, do you guys hear the F word very often? They don't talk to me. Sorry, have I, offended, have I done something, guys? Right? Forgiveness, the real F word. We hear a lot of it out there, the F word. And, uh, but I want to speak about another F word. I want to speak about forgiveness. And one of the things I like doing is I like watching on TV. Uh, you see these programs, the Mighty Man Contest, you know, the, the Strongest Man in the World Contest. Any, any of you enjoy watching those programs? I, I think I watch it out of envy. That's me. I'm just sitting there. I'm watching it out of envy. I'm going, man, look at the guns on that guy. Look how huge he is. Look what he can do. Look how he can carry this and do that. And they pick up concrete blocks and they do all kinds of things. And they, they just, you know, just necks. I mean, they haven't got any necks. But uh, anyway, they're, they're doing their thing. And I'm just like, man, that's awesome. There's something about just a guy. Guys kind of like get something out of that, you know. And, uh, and one of the things they always do in the greatest or strongest man in the world contest is that they invariably do something like this, is that they get, a, they get the guys and they harness them to a aeroplane or a bus or a train carriage or something like that. And they, and they then harness these guys and they then say, right, guys, here you go. And they've got to get across a distance in a short amount of time. Well, as as quick as they can, considering that you're pulling a train or a bus or a railway carriage. And so these guys, they strain, they strain, and the veins are popping out, and you're kind of feeling that, and they got them, it's like some of you guys when you go work out with Tony. You know, it's just veins popping, isn't that right, Tony? These young guys trying to keep up with you. They can't, they just, uh, you know, Tony's up powering ahead. The young guys, oh, I'm going to beat him. No, no, you're not. You know, your veins are just going to pop. Anyway, so, so here we go. That These guys are strapped to this huge thing and they go and, and what should naturally take them just a couple of seconds to get across this distance literally can take them five minutes of straining and straining and straining and they're kind of one foot at a time and they're trying to get across and, again, and eventually they get across to the other side and across the line, everyone's like, woo! Strongest man in the world competition. I love it. It's cool. I can't do it, but I love it. I love watching it. <laughs> and so here these guys are, they're doing these things, and they've got these, they're chained to something that's pretty heavy. Do you like my chain, by the way? I had a door this morning, and I've got a chain now. All right, I like props. All right, someone said to me, what are you doing with the chain? Where are the whips and where are the leathers? I said, they're not coming out tonight. We've just got chains. All right, that's for later. Okay, isn't that right? We're talking about sex tonight, aren't we, Tony? We're talking a lot about it this evening. Back in my church, you need to know, back in my church right now in Canberra, they're talking about sexual revolution. They're actually talking about sex. So sex is obviously on their agenda this evening. All right, so there we go. Uh, enough about sex. Let's come back to the chain. 
All right, so there they are. They're, these guys are chained to this huge, heavy thing and, they're, they're, and they, they're walking around. And here's the thing. The reason why I'm sharing this analogy is, is that unforgiveness in our lives can be very much like what goes on in the strongman contest. You see, God's got somewhere that He wants us to go. He wants us to cover this distance. And in fact, He says it's actually, it's, it's a doable journey. It's actually a quick thing. But here's the thing about unforgiveness. Unforgiveness will chain you. Unforgiveness will hold you back. Unforgiveness is a heavy weight that you're trying to pull as you're trying to go towards that preferred future that God has for you. And so, and so some of us, because we're holding on to unforgiveness, we're wondering why it's so hard. We're wondering why the Christian walk is so hard. We're wondering why we're laboring. We're wondering why it's not easy. We're wondering why we're struggling and straining. And for some of us, it's because we're chained to this bus. We're chained to this carriage. We're chained to this aeroplane that we're trying to pull. And here's the thing with this, is that there's people sitting on that bus. There's people sitting on that aeroplane. There's people that are on there that represent people that we haven't forgiven. And we're trying to pull it, we're trying to pull it, and we're wondering why. And God's saying, hey guys, unforgiveness will chain you. Unforgiveness will restrict you. Unforgiveness will hold you back from what God has got for you. We've got to deal with this stuff. We cannot hide from it any longer. As a believer, And tonight we're gonna look at what the Word has to say on this. You've gotta understand that God does not give us room to live with unforgiveness. Let me say that again. God does not give us room to live with unforgiveness. If you think that somehow you can be a Christian and still have unforgiveness, you're missing the gospel. You're not understanding what took place on that cross. You're not understanding the power of that which took place when Jesus died for you and me. Because when He did that, He brought with it incredible, complete, utter forgiveness. And so for us to think that we can live with unforgiveness in our hearts, we're making a mockery of what Jesus Himself did. Unforgiveness will chain you. I was... When I was researching this, I did a little bit of a research on what is secular studies proven about forgiveness. And uh, we're, gonna, we're gonna look shortly about what the word has to say, but what is secular studies show about forgiveness? And it's fascinating because the world has recognized the value of forgiveness. Listen to some of this stuff. is that they've shown that people who forgive are happier and healthier than those who hold resentments. I haven't even got to the Bible yet and it's already good news. Forgiveness is something that we've got to live in. The first study to look at how forgiveness improves physical health discovered that when people think about forgiving an offender, listen to this, it leads to improved functioning of their cardiovascular and nervous systems. It's better for you to forgive. It is better for you to forgive. To harbor unforgiveness is not good for you. It also goes on, some other studies say this, the University of Wisconsin found that the more forgiving people were, the less they suffered from a range of illnesses. The less forgiving people reported a greater number of health problems, and research out of Stanford University shows that forgiveness can be learnt, and that people who are taught how to forgive become, listen to this, less angry, feel less hurt, are more optimistic, 
become more forgiving in a variety of situations, and become more compassionate and self-confident. And these studies also show that a reduction, there's a reduction in the experience of stress, physical manifestations of stress, and increase in vitality of life. If you need to know why do you need to forgive, that's why. There are benefits to forgiveness. And I'd like you to turn with me to Matthew chapter 18, and we're gonna read a portion of scripture that I think is gonna bless you and encourage you with regards to forgiveness. I'm aware that this topic sometimes can be a sensitive one because it's very close to the heart. It's very close to how we're living our lives and, and what we're doing. And I understand that and I hope that I can preach this with sensitivity but also with encouragement to you to actually know that God doesn't want you to live in chains. He wants you to live free. It is for freedom that Christ purchased our lives. And so here we go. Let's read in Matthew chapter 18 from verse 21. We're gonna go right through to verse 35. So stick with me. It says, And Peter came to Jesus and asked, Lord, how many times should I forgive my brother or sister who sins against me? Up to seven times? And Jesus answered, I'll tell you not seven times, but 77 times. Therefore, the kingdom of heaven is like a king who wanted to settle accounts with his servants. And as he began the settlement, a man who owed him 10,000 bags of gold was brought to him. And since he was not able to pay, the master ordered that he and his wife and his children and all that he had be sold to repay the debts. At this, the servant fell on his knees before him. Be patient with me, he begged, and I will pay everything back. The servant's master took pity on him and canceled the debts and let him go. But when that servant went out, he found one of his fellow servants who owed him a hundred silver coins. And he grabbed him and began to choke him. Pay back what you owe me, he demanded. His fellow servant fell on his knees and begged him, be patient with me and I will pay it back. But he refused. Instead, he went off and had the man thrown into prison until he could pay the debts. And when the other servants saw what had happened, they were outraged and went and told their master everything that had happened. And then the master called the servant in. You wicked servant, he said. I canceled that debt of yours because you begged me to. Shouldn't you have had mercy on your fellow servant just as I had on him? In anger, his master handed him over to the jailers to be tortured until he could pay back all that he owed. This is how my heavenly Father will treat each of you unless you forgive your brother and sister from your heart. Wow, it's pretty powerful text and scripture. But I've discovered this. As I've lived in my 47 years, I've discovered this, that forgiveness is not a natural thing to me. Forgiveness is not something that I find very natural. It's not something that I find very easy. It's something that, you know, when someone hurts me or someone offends me or someone does something to me or doesn't do what I expected them to do, you know, you know what I like to do? I like to get hurt. I like to feel like I'm justified to feel the way that I feel. You know, forgiveness is not a natural thing. It's not something that just pours out of me as a natural kind of response. Forgiveness is something that we have to learn. Forgiveness is something that we have to begin to invite into our lives and work out in our lives. 
You know, when you harbor unforgiveness in your heart, you know what you're doing? You're basically handing the control of your life over to someone else. It's like you kind of get that Xbox control. And you're like, you hand it over to someone else and say, hey, why don't you play around and why don't you do what you do? And I'm just going to dance to your tune. Because that's exactly what unforgiveness will do. Unforgiveness, you're handing over the controls to someone else. When you forgive, then you're taking back those controls and you're handing them back to the one who actually created you and you're actually saying, God, you control my life. I don't want anyone else controlling my life. And some of us, if we're honest, that we've been living with this unforgiveness so long that really we're dancing to someone else's tune. We're not dancing to his tune necessarily, we're dancing to someone else's tune. And they're the ones who are dictating what I do or don't do or how I respond or how I don't respond. That's what unforgiveness will do. And here in Matthew 18, I love this story because here Jesus is talking about this whole subject in such a real way. And Simon Peter's obviously grappling with some things on this issue. He obviously was asking the question. There was obviously something that was going on. We don't know what it was, but there was obviously something that caused him to actually raise this issue with Jesus. And so he's saying, Jesus, how many times and what's the go here? And, uh, you know, it's, it's, it's obvious that someone had missed him about, but when you read the story, you realize that Simon Peter had some pretty uh, skewed ideas about what forgiveness actually was. And so you have a look in verse 21 of this text, and it says that, you know, then Peter came to Jesus and asked, Lord, how many times should I forgive my brother when he sins against me? Up to seven times? I remember reading some commentators, and they reckon that Simon Peter was actually trying to be pretty smart there. Because here's the deal, is that back in those days, what the rabbis were actually teaching, that if you forgave someone three times, you were doing well. And so he's coming along, he's going, hey, Jesus, look at me, I'm Simon Peter. I'm the spiritual dude here, man. He says, hey, Jesus, how many times do you need to forgive? And he says, tell you what, I'm not even going to let you answer the question. I'm actually going to give you the answer. I'm going to say more than what's expected. Everyone here thinks it's only three times. I'm going to go over and above that. I'm going to say seven times. Super saint. Super saint. And Jesus, in his wonderful, gracious, loving, kind, compassionate way, just takes him and slaps him around the head and says, what's wrong with you, you idiot? Have you got nothing that I've said to you? You see, Simon Peter didn't actually understand. He thought that forgiveness was about him. He thought it was about others. Oh, forgiving, forgiving all this time, doing this, this kind of stuff. I'm actually releasing others. What's the go? But here's the thing about forgiveness is that forgiveness is more about the person that's been offended than it is about the person who, who's actually doing the offense. I want you to get this thought because this is something that's gonna help you. Many people, when you talk about forgiveness, they're thinking, oh, that person did this and that person did that to me. And oh, yeah, 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 I'll forgive them in some kind of way, like we're doing them a favor. To me, the way the Bible teaches forgiveness, it's more about me. If I'm the person that that has unforgiveness, if someone's done something to me, then actually, you know what? Forgiveness, the way Jesus teaches us, is about me. Yes, they can benefit from some things, but it's first and foremost about me. It's first and foremost about understanding that with unforgiveness, I am chained to something. 
I'm chained to something. You know, here's the deal is that some of us, we, we, we're thinking it's about the other person. They don't even know that they've offended us. They don't even know what they've done. They, they, they've got no idea, but we've taken offense. And we've got unforgiveness in our hearts. And so where we think it's about others, Simon Peter was kind of thinking it was more about others. Actually, Jesus is saying, Simon Peter, this is about you. Simon Peter, hey, you're missing it, bud. You're making it, oh, look at me. Oh, da, da, da. look at them. Oh, I'm gonna forgive someone seven times. Isn't that good, Jesus? She said, no, 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 no. We got some, we need to talk. Simon Peter, we need to talk. We need to have a little bit of a chat about this because we've got to understand this is about you. And so he gives this incredible story. And I love Jesus because he's, he paints this picture. He's the master storyteller. And he tells a story about a king. And, and, and this man who comes and, and, and this wealthy king, he's going through his accounts and all that kind of stuff. And he decided that he was going to call in his debts which the guy's entitled to do. He's in business and he wants to call in his debts. It's now time to call in my debts. And so he, 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 he gets them all and he gets in this one servant who owes him a lot of money. And if you actually do the math, it's fascinating this, is that the servant that he actually meets with first, if you do the math, some reckon that the equivalent figure today to what he was actually, this servant actually owed the master was the equivalent of $10 million dollars. $10 million. You see, it helps us sometimes just to understand the significance of, of what was actually going on here. $10 million. And so the, the king's saying, hey, servant, you owe me this money. And he says, you've got to pay back $10 million. You've got to understand there was no ability to file for bankruptcy back then. You couldn't kind of go, oh, I can't pay. Oh, you know, let me hand in my papers and walk away scot-free. No, you couldn't do that. There was no ability. In fact, he knew that the, the possible threat was, I'm going to land up in prison and jail. I'm going to be tortured, all this kind of stuff. And he falls to his knees and he begs the master. And he says, oh, master, look, look, I'm going to try everything that I can. I'm going to be good for this. Don't worry. I'm going to do it somehow. Please, 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 just, just, just hold back. I'm going I'm, I'm to get it. $10 million. And what I love about this story is that the master turns around. He could have thrown this guy to the torturers. He could have at that moment just said, I'm done with this guy. Just, just give him what, it, what, it, what he's due. But he doesn't do that. You could say he, he would be justified. That guy would deserve whatever punishment came his way if there was that kind of debt outstanding. But the king doesn't do that. The king does something incredible. And in verse 27, it says this, is that the servant's master took pity on him and canceled the debt and let him go. I remember sitting and thinking, how would I respond if I had a debt of $10 million and someone canceled it and let me walk free, I don't know about you, but I wouldn't be whispering. I wouldn't be going, well, you know, $10 million. I wouldn't be doing that. I'd be so excited! 
I'll be going, wow, Jesus. That's amazing. $10 million debt cancelled. And I'd be running all over this auditorium. I'd be sharing with everyone that I could. I'd be shaking you. I'd be saying, isn't this amazing? And you'd be looking at me and say, I'm crazy. And you'd be right. Because I'm crazily grateful. But what does this guy do? What does he do? He goes and finds, it actually says, he seeks out. He actually goes and finds, he actively goes and finds someone who owes him the equivalent, listen to this, of $11. million owed to him, debt canceled. Instead of rejoicing, he goes and finds, intentionally finds, someone who owes him 11 bucks and says to him, you've got to pay me back my money. And this guy goes, same response as what he had had to his master. Oh, please forgive me, I'm not good for it. Don't worry, I'll pay you back, I'll pay you back, do whatever. What does this guy do? He says, not a chance, throw this guy in prison. He says he's not good for the debt. Think of the hypocrisy of that. It's tragic. This incredible debt that's been forgiven. And yet, he couldn't forgive another of something so insignificant and small. You know what that reminds me of? That reminds me of what Jesus has done for us. He canceled the most incredible debt on that cross. He canceled the most incredible debt on that cross. That debt for every sin, past, present, future. Jesus went to that cross. He took it all on his shoulders for you, for me. The stuff you haven't even conceived of yet. He went to the cross for you. He took all of it upon his shoulders. He paid the price for you and for me. He bore it all. He forgave us our sins, past, present, future. It says he removes our sins as far as the east is from the west. He forgives greatly. He forgives lavishly. He forgives completely. And he says, guys, that's how much I've forgiven you. It's like a $10 million debt that you had that's just been forgiven in a moment when you deserve to be thrown into, to, into jail and tortured and pay the price. He says, you don't have to. And then yet, what do we do? We go and we say, you owe me 11 bucks. I've got unforgiveness towards you. You see how crazy it is? How insane it is? I don't know why my voice is breaking. I went through puberty a long time ago. Eleven dollars. We think they owe me. Because here's the thing that every time someone hurts you, every time someone trashes you, every time someone takes advantage of you, a debt is created. You think they owe you something. I think they owe me something. And yet we forget about the incredible debt. That Jesus, that Jesus 
that Jesus has forgiven us. I didn't grow up in a Christian home. I didn't grow, in a Christian house, grow up in a Christian household. I've got a past. You might say, Matt, why are you qualified to stand here today? It's got nothing to do with me. It's got all to do with how much he's forgiven me. So church, why, why, why are we walking around with unforgiveness? Why? Why? Let's pick it up in verse 32. It says, then the master called the servant in because the king now hears about what this guy's done. He says, you wicked servant, he says. I cancel all that debt of yours because you begged me to. Shouldn't you have had mercy on your fellow servant just as I had on you? And in anger, his master turned him over to the jailers to be tortured. Isn't it ironic that initially we see that the king delivered the servant from jail? The king initially, right at the beginning, he outset, that guy should have gone to jail. The king says, you don't have to go to jail. I'm going to forgive you your debt. What ends up happening? He ends up, because of his ridiculous actions and his refusal to forgive, he ends up putting himself back into the very jail that he had actually been set free of in the beginning. That's how ludicrous it is. That's what unforgiveness will do to you. That's the kind of chain that it is because it'll, it'll bind you. It'll restrict you. It'll hold you back. And that's not the life that Jesus purchased for you on the cross. You might say, Matt, but you've got no idea what that person did to me. Aren't you, aren't you minimizing what happened? Absolutely not. I'm not excusing away what someone might have done to you. I'm not excusing away what might have happened. I don't know what's happened to you. You don't know what's happened to me. But God does know. And God knows and he still says to us, you need to forgive just as you have been forgiven. He says, that's the, see, here's the key. He says, you cannot forgive in your own strength. We do not have the ability to forgive in our own strength. We don't have the capacity. We don't have the fortitude. We don't have the strength to be able to forgive in our own strength. It is only when we turn to the one who has forgiven us greatly that we are then able ourselves to in turn to forgive others. You cannot do it without Him. It's only when you experience Him that you can then pass that through into the lives of others. It is only when you engage with the Saviour, the one who took it all on his shoulders, that you can then pass it on to others. Unforgiveness will chain you. I'm going to ask you to do something. Because I believe that God wants to set you free tonight. Some of you, you know that you're bound. Some of you right now, you're thinking there's people in your mind. Some of those people aren't even alive today. And yet the chains are still very real. They're stopping you from walking into all that God has for you. God doesn't want you to live a tortured life. 
You've got to understand that forgiveness is about you setting yourself free. It's a gift that you can give. It's forgiveness. It's a gift that you give yourself. And when we do that, when we understand and we bring it into our lives, it's a powerful thing. And the chains are broken. If you're here tonight and you know that I'm talking to you, it's not me, it's Jesus talking to you, it's the Holy Spirit talking to you. I'm amazed at how many people walk around with unforgiveness in their lives, sitting in churches week in and week out. There's been times in my life that I've had to be honest and say, I've, I've carried unforgiveness. I've had to deal with it. But if you're here tonight and you know that you're chained to something that's holding you back, I wanna to say to you, don't be like that servant that was forgiven greatly and yet could not forgive those whose debt really was insignificant in comparison to the debt that they had been forgiven by Jesus. If that's you, if you know that you need to forgive someone, can we all stand together, please? But if you know that you need to forgive, it's gonna start here today. It's gonna start here tonight. You're gonna be challenged with it as you walk out of that door. But it starts with a decision. You understand that I can only do this with God's help? I have to decide to take action I have to disengage my emotions. Hello? And then I just need to just hand them over to God because if there's any judgment that's going to happen, God's going to be the one to do it, not me. But I need to forgive. This is the end of the message. Thank you for taking the time to listen and God bless.